Hello and welcome to the Simply Podcast. I'm Aish Rajavali, Content and Community Manager at Simply. I'm Sanya Pinion, Digital Workplace Consulting Director here at Simply. And who have we got with us today, Aish? Today we have Annabelle Dunstan. Annabelle is the founder and CEO of Question and Retain, which is an organisation which helps businesses with their measurement tools, um, specifically in the areas of employee experience, client and membership satisfaction. We'll be talking to Annabelle about her background in the industry, what inspired her to transition from a career in marketing and PR to focus on internal comms, and all about the pulse check and how it helps organisations to understand their workforce and communication strategies. Sounds great. Let's get started then. So hello and welcome to Women in Comms, Annabelle. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background in the industry, please? Yeah, sure. And thanks for having me this morning, Aish. Nice to meet you. Um, so background, I started life as an anthropologist, actually. So my training was really to understand perspective, others' perspectives, so to get into their shoes or under their skin. That was our training. And so I suppose PR marketing was a natural progression from that. And uh, rather than going out into the field to work in as a, an ethnologist, I ended up in Mayfair working for Gulfair, which was its own uh, cultural, had its own cultural interest. Um, and from there, I was in a junior marketing role uh, and then found that the PR side of things was the most interesting, taking journalists out to the Middle East just after the Gulf War, um, had its challenges and high points and low points, um, but then quickly moved into agency because I loved the variety and uh, worked on a number of accounts from financial PR through to squirty cream anchor foods um, right through to um, being part of the three monkeys success uh, over a decade I was the MD there um, I had some amazing times took on about 80 people over 10 years um, and then left and formed my own business featuring a specific aspect of um, relationship management I suppose that I had enjoyed over that period. That's, um, that, that's brilliant. Um, I don't know, what I love about that is the, the common theme and the variety which has led you to where you are now with Question and Retain, no doubt. Um, would you be able to just give us an overview of Question and Retain and the services you provide organisations in terms of that real understanding of internal and external stakeholders? Yes, Question and Retain was born out of the idea that I felt that PR agencies uh, in particular and to a certain extent in-house comms teams were doing a, a reasonable job of understanding what their people were feeling and thinking and perhaps what their clients or customers were. But I felt there was a, a, a missing point which was around the, the rigour and the discipline around how to measure that. So I suppose I took all those consultancy skills I'd built up, particularly over that 10-year period of Three Monkeys, of how to build a happy team, how to deliver such great client service that they wanted to stay with us, grow with us and recommend us, and turned that into a business. So I kind of made it up as I went along, um, but happily attracted clients and customers who really loved what we did, um, put measurement at the heart of things, and then wrapped it around with consultancy around great questions to ask and then creating actionable insight and data from that uh, from those findings and so large amount of our business comes through PR agencies working direct to their clients so a lot of our clients are heads of internal comms head of engagement HR directors head of people who really want to going back to my anthropology days I suppose get under the skin of what their teams people staff are thinking and feeling uh, and we can provide a an objective external view of that without any politics, no ego. It's really about helping the leadership team to understand the true picture. Yeah, and a little bit earlier in our interview, you said that you switched from, you know, PR and marketing to focusing a little bit more on internal comms. What what 
caused that shift? I suppose it was building on the skill set I've developed and where I felt my strengths lie. Um, I don't know if you're familiar or your listeners are familiar with the concept of Ikigai, which is a Japanese philosophy, and it has four central pillars. It's around what you're good at, what you love doing, what the world will pay you to do, and what the world needs. And so if you look at the, the sweet spot of those four things, I felt that my skill and interest lay in really listening and understanding what people felt and thought. And I think that's the central part of internal comms. Uh, in writing a book on the subject, the people business, I interviewed 10 leading uh, heads of communication within uh, heads of internal communication, I should say. And it was by understanding their challenges, their um, what kept them awake at night that really honed my skills and interest in that very sweet spot of, of listening better. I love that, Annabelle. And I can vouch for the fantastic Ikagai. And there's a brilliant book, actually, about it, if any listeners are interested. I know that central to this is something that you do called a pulse check, uh, which helps organisations understand their workforce and communication strategy. Are you able just to share a little bit more about what that actually is? Yeah, it's not rocket science. It's a piece of software that's developed at the outset of Q&R and it's there really to take the pulse, literally, uh, to understand what people are feeling and thinking. So it's a survey tool. It's online. Uh, it can be used on any device, uh, on mobile, iPads, desktops, etc. And we've just developed it with bells and whistles that really make it a very, very good user experience. So our response rates typically outstrip um, those of other software as service survey tools out there. Um, I suppose the difference is that each pulse check we do, whilst we have a, an aggregate bank of questions that we encourage our clients to use, we do then go off piste with them and make sure they're asking questions that are really tailored to their culture. So whether they've just gone through an acquisition or whether they're merging departments or whether they're trying to understand what their colleagues are thinking in marketing, if they're in sales, you name it, we can we can take the pulse. And our philosophy has always been around less is more. So we don't go out with a 72 question annual engagement survey uh, no no to that we um, <laughs> maximum you know six possibly eight ten questions but what we're trying to create is literally what's the pulse what are people feeling and thinking right now um with that consultancy that wraps around to say okay now now you've heard demonstrate your listening and then take action yeah I, that, and that's the critical part right annabelle so what let's take action listen and action and then get employees on that journey of, of believing as well and you know, we've seen over the past couple of years, um, a lot of changes, you know, hybrid working, the pandemic, back to the office. It's changing on kind of that dialogue very regularly. What, in your opinion, are some of those major changes in the way people are working as a result of the pandemic? And what do you think of uh, what do you think of the positive and negative impacts of these changes? Well, I think, I mean, aside from the massive trauma that people have been through I'm very much a glass half full and uh, in fact I am very glass half full because <laughs> I think the pendulum has really swung and I think we've come from a and here's, here my views are going to come out very strongly very patriarchal employer-led uh, workforce through to a much more caring understanding uh, open authentic style of leadership and workplace in many cases uh, where and I think it chimes with that whole Me Too campaign and women and feminism really being able to stand up for work-life balance, uh, maternity rights, uh, as well as paternity rights, of course. So I think that's a rambling way of saying I think there's some really good positives that have come out of it. I talk to leaders now that three years ago wouldn't have entertained the idea of a flexible work um, force. And now their whole team are trusted. 
they've got the kit, the technology to be able to work remotely. Um, and yes, the hybrid model, there's a need to come in and be together with people and, and to keep that galvanized culture. So the downsides are uh, how does a team maintain that culture they perhaps built up pre-COVID? You have got a dispersed remote workforce in lots of cases. Um, so I think it takes real uh, creative and innovative and, and listening leadership to make sure that you do maintain that gal galvanized culture. Um, I think it's tricky for juniors, people starting out in their careers, those grads coming out, I think they've been worst hit by COVID, particularly that sort of 15 to age 21 bracket, I would say, really, really impacted through their GCSEs, A-levels and degrees. Um, but coming out into a workforce where they might not meet their manager for several months. You know, I know juniors that have started being sent a laptop and they haven't been into the office yet. So it's, or, or there isn't an office to go into. Um, but I think, I mean, this is a huge topic and I'm sure there's been, lots been said on it. I think for rural working and towns, it's helped increase the use of the high streets so of people working out of coffee shops or co-working spaces instead of that madness of that sort of like a Lowry picture of everybody being sucked into the cities. Um, I think there are benefits to, to towns and rural areas. Um, so if that can then create the impetus for high-speed broadband across the country, then great. Um, if it gives opportunities to people who wouldn't otherwise have considered a job um, because it was too far to travel, then great. And of course, the diversity and inclusion, that also plays well to those that don't fare well in an office environment and actually suit better working in a quieter, more um, controlled place at home. So for neurodiversity, that is. So yeah, I mean, I've got a million thoughts on it. I hope that captures <laughs> It does. The balance of probabilities, always the, the good with the bad. And I suppose, you know, we're in we're an era now where we're just trying to strive into to find what works best for people, what works best for organisations and really, you know, getting the most benefit from that. Yeah, absolutely. And I was talking to someone just this morning, actually, um, during my swim in the, the cold, cold seas of Brighton uh, about the fact she's a mental health first aider and she trains people and she was saying that there's talk of it becoming a, a regulation that corporations have to have a mental first um, mental health first aider within their team which I think is a brilliant innovation and that that is definitely a positive that's come out of COVID times um, and we know that effective communications and this is what you know we're all about here is underpins all of that good stuff around understanding what people are feeling and thinking communicating that upwards downwards sideways so that leadership teams are aware of the, of the wider team's needs. Um, so coming on to you know what 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 needs to happen going forward, I think building on that trust that has been built, and if it isn't there yet, then businesses will be failing. Um, building on that trust, making sure there's really good, effective internal comms so that people are aware of uh, where they stand and also that they feel heard, and also to give the right tools and technology so that people can remote work um, happily and swiftly and efficiently. Um, and then to make sure that the training really um, in at that management level, we all know that people leave businesses because the, the line managers can be varying in their abilities. So making sure that line management training is really in place um, to deal with the, the new way that we're working and to make sure that people do feel connected and, um, and noticed. Uh, I think it's easy to overlook people if they're less visible. So you don't have those water cooler moments perhaps so often, um, particularly in the comms sector where people are working remotely. So how do you spot people? How do you call out good work? And how do you publicly acknowledge that? Um, those are the kind of skills that managers, I think, really need to, to hone and sharpen to ensure they retain the top talent. 
absolutely and uh yeah it is a challenge isn't it and um speaking of challenges what are some of the more pressing challenges you are currently seeing in the field of internal comms and how are you helping organizations to address them yeah i think there's still some hangover of well what to do about hybrid working and i'm still talking to leaders about you know should we insist that people come in i think that I talked about a pendulum swinging from one extreme to the other. I think the pendulum is coming back to a middle point, which is listening to your team and understanding what works best for them. And it's it's different for every person. So flexibility, which isn't always easy for businesses that perhaps have a more um, traditional uh, outlook. So being fleeter of foot and being able to pivot, that, that lovely P word that came out a lot in COVID, um, and, and react and respond to the needs of the workforce as we go forward. Um, I think some businesses have suddenly found themselves having to run their internal comms to a much more um, diverse set of audiences because they're working different ways. I was interviewing the uh, chief people officer at the at first bus recently, and he was saying what's interesting is that businesses are playing catch up with how businesses like theirs have always worked. They've had to deal with bus drivers and engineers so different ways of communicating. So I think the face-to-face -face and the one-to-one -one conversations are going to be ever more important um, and making sure that that's cascaded out through, because a head of internal comms can't do that with a global workforce of thousands, but making sure that, again, it's that important training point. The managers are trained to spot people who are perhaps are being less forward in Zoom calls, team meetings, um, and make sure that their needs are being listened and addressed, listened to and addressed. Um, yeah, employee wellness and mental health, absolutely, is, is going to stay top of that agenda. Um, and companies that aren't all over that will suffer because they won't attract the right talent. They won't have the talkability about, talkability about their caring and um, pastoral care, I suppose, in a way for their employees. So, yeah, I'd also say um, artificial intelligence, automation, virtual reality, all of that good stuff is going to become ever more prevalent in the workplace. Um, and so organisations really need to get savvy, invest in it. Uh, I was talking to another leader recently about ChatGPT. Um, he and I were both working on it over Christmas and January. Just our minds were blown about what it can do. Yes, there are downsides to it, to your point, Sonia. It can be, uh, you know, there, there are some people out there who will use it for bad things. But the upside of it is that it opens up um, possibilities for those who perhaps struggle with learning and to be able to ask chat GPT and give you a viewpoint on stuff is phenomenal. For me, it's like being taken to the top of a ski lift and then rather than having to do all that grunt work to get there and then you have the freedom to ski. So I think it's going to create a lot of creativity uh, and opportunities. So yeah, AI, virtual reality, automation, I think if we look back in a decade, we'll be stunned at the sort of archaic way we're working today. Absolutely, well. That was all of our questions, actually, Annabelle. Thank you ever so much for being on our podcast. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed it. And uh, I hope I haven't rambled too much and that I've uh, said some things that might pique interest.